Welcome to the Propaganda Report. This is Monica Perez, and our guest today is Dr. Joel Hirschhorn, who I met through the Union of the Unwanted Guys. We recently shared a screen with Dr. Hirschhorn and Dr. McCullough, and it was uh, absolutely edifying to the highest degree. And I immediately asked Dr. Hirschhorn to be on the show. He has been in the medical field for decades, assuming many roles as a full professor at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. He directed a medical research program between the Colleges of Engineering and Medicine as a senior official at the Congressional Office of Technology Assessment and the National Governors Association. He directed major studies on health-related subjects. He testified at over 50 U.S. Senate and House hearings and was the director of Environment, Energy, and Natural Resources at the National Governors Association. Dr. Hirschhorn has authored hundreds of articles and op-ed pieces in major newspapers and websites and has served as an executive volunteer at a major hospital for more than 10 years. He's a member of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, as well as America's Frontline Doctors. His latest book is Pandemic Blunder, Fauci, and Public Health Blocked Early Home COVID Treatment. So you you have a mix. Well, welcome. <laughs> welcome, Dr. Hirschhorn. Thank you for being yes, here. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Our audience has, has a, a real skepticism about things like government, academia, and even now big hospitals. And right. your experience in those uh, raises a couple of questions for me. Um, did you see those institutions change over time where you used did you used to be a skeptic or are you only now a skeptic how did that transformation take place from you being really uh fully successful and immersed in the establishment to being highly critical of it well i must say i got <laughs> terribly skeptical and cynical uh after the pandemic uh, began uh because I, I was following the data early in March of 2020. So I'm going back uh, to the very beginning. And, and I started to see this data uh, coming out of France and Dr. Zelenko in New York State. And I'm looking at this data and I'm saying, my God, we're all going nuts about this you know, pandemic starting. And these guys have the cure. They were, they were actually curing their patients. In, in France and New York, using similar uh, approaches. Basically, you, they at that time, were using the cheap uh, generic drug, hydroxychloroquine, which had been around for decades, used globally a billion times probably. And, and they were doing some vitamins and supplements, but uh, zinc was very important. But basically, I started to go, what's going on here? Because our government our public health establishment, and particularly Dr. Fauci, uh, well, they didn't want to pay any attention to what the frontline doctors, those two in particular at the time, uh, were finding. You know, it's interesting, Monica, that there was a federal law passed in the 1990s, which nobody ever talks about. But basically, the law said that the government agencies dealing with public health should not solely uh, depend on uh, what we call randomized clinical trials. And when Fauci was quizzed about why he wasn't embracing hydroxychloroquine early on, he said, well, we, we have to wait for randomized clinical trials. But actually, he was ignoring a federal law which said that the agencies were supposed to look at and follow 
what they call real world evidence and real world data. So these these frontline doctors in March of 2020 had the real world data and it was showing what worked. (laughs) And that does conflict with a lot of what I understand about how drugs are used and authorized and they are used quite often for off-label purposes. And if you look at at the even the emergency use authorization documents for the COVID vaccines, it talks about it's almost I think it might actually be called the phase five trial where they're looking at vaccine enhanced respiratory disease, myocarditis, pericarditis, like the real world experience does inform how they use and view all drugs. Well, yeah. And what was crazy, hydroxychloroquine, of course, was uh, FDA approved. It was an approved drug. And, and in wide usage, right, in the past. And very wide usage, all around the world, mind you, and in the United States for different reasons. But it hadn't been, of course, and what Fauci refused to do was to, to embrace and endorse and support the use first of hydroxychloroquine. And then a few months later, what became evident, the doctors were switching to ivermectin, which was simply another cheap, safe, generic drug used even more widely globally than, than hydroxychloroquine. FDA approved, mind you. So and even if it weren't strictly effective, we don't know, but it was. But even if it weren't because of its well-known safety, the, yes. chan- the right to try thing, it wouldn't be like, well, this drug could kill you, but you have the right, right. to try. This drug is not going to kill you. Absolutely. So both of those generics were safe. Both were repeatedly proven to be effective over months and now two years. And there have been countless studies, hundreds of studies of both hydroxy and, and, and ivermectin. And what I like to point out today, we have still have the frontline doctors, George Farid in California with his partner, Brian Tyson. We still have Dr. Zelenko in New York. And we have a bunch of other, not a lot, but some frontline courageous doctors, they're still using hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, vitamins and supplements. And of course, I wrote my book, Pandemic Blunder, because I started to write it in in, in mid-2020 because I, I couldn't believe what was going on. And I really, I was the first one to really go after Fauci <laughs> and in a public way. In, in my book, I go after him because I could tell right away in early 2020, he was the problem. This was the most powerful bureaucrat. And I've worked in the Washington DC political area for many decades, okay? I worked for Congress, I worked for the Governors Association. Uh, and I, I knew right from the beginning that Fauci had all the power. And unfortunately, he had the power over Trump also. So I always like to say, what, what was Fauci's strategy to deal with the pandemic? in 2020, it was wait for the vaccine strategy. And that's what he was pushing. He would ignore ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. He would only keep pushing and pushing the vaccines. And of course, I have a very negative view about the vaccines. I don't think they're effective and I know they're not safe. I'm wondering about Fauci as the mastermind. I have a personal issue with Fauci, too, because my brother was diagnosed with AIDS. He was totally asymptomatic, but he had been a recovering um, drug addict and he wanted a clean bill of health. He was totally asymptomatic and they started giving him AZT and he crashed. He said it was the AZT. He stopped taking it, but it was too late. And then he died. 
So my husband believed my husband, it was my brother who believed that he died, was dying and died of AZT poisoning. And I've read about how the the clinical trials did not indicate the asymptomatic use, much less anything but a kind of right to try end of life sort of use for that. And I put that at Dr. Fauci's feet. And what I wonder is surely he's protected by somebody or working for somebody that he could, that kind of information could be suppressed. And why would he use his power for this exact purpose when, I mean, surely it's hand in hand with the drug companies who stand to earn hundreds or gain hundreds of billions of dollars from this. And that's his whole history. I mean, and I saw that right away with the, the COVID pandemic, Um, He's always had this close relationship with drug companies. And what did he do? He, of course, wouldn't embrace the cheap generics, which nobody could make a lot of money from. And what did he push? He pushed the vaccines, which would become not just a billion dollar, maybe a trillion dollar industry, you know, a piece of business for the big drug companies. And he pushed remdesivir, which is a useless and dangerous drug. He also pushed that through, by the way, pushed it through clinical testing. It should never have been FDA approved in any sense. But Fauci, he has the power. He's always had the power. And one thing I'd like to educate people about, part of the the reason why he has so much power, he controls billions and billions and billions of dollars, which he gives out annually to as grants to the medical community, the public health community. He's controlling the whole system through the money he gives out to researchers and organizations, okay? I mean, now you lately you've heard about the money he gave to the Wuhan lab, but it's much bigger than that. Every year, I think it's eight or $10 billion every year to all kinds of people, which is why we have nothing but cowards in the medical community, why I no longer have faith in the medical community and the public health community, because nobody is going to stand up. They don't have the courage to risk their jobs and their grant money, okay, to stand up to the crazy things the government does. I keep writing articles about, I, I wrote a new one today, which is going to be published later today, probably, that NIH, Fauci's group, just came out with new treatment guidelines for COVID. And I'm, I'm looking at this and I can't believe it. The number one, he has a list, a hierarchy of four things that physicians ought to be doing. And what's the first option for physicians? They ought to use the new Pfizer drug. People have <laughs> That crazy drug, which is a combination, interestingly enough, of, of, of something like ivermectin, okay, and an HIV drug. It, it, it's a combo. And that's the Pfizer combination drug, which now is the number one recommendation from NIH. By the way, not only they've never proven the safety of the new Pfizer drug, and why you would want to take a drug which has a, a fairly toxic drug in it, an HIV drug, and they've never done enough testing. They've, they've rushed it through in a couple of months to get the FDA, you know, emergency use authorization. That's the number one choice of NIH. 
I recall reading there was a guy, um, you've probably heard his name, Rick Bright, who yes. was in charge of handing out a lot of money. And in just one article, I saw this. Most of the stuff said that he was demoted because of conflict with Trump. But I found one article where it said one of the things he said that led to his demotion was that he was against further funding of that class of drug. It, it was the Merck drug and the Pfizer drug, because in animal studies, babies, you know, whatever offspring were born with pieces of their skull missing that he considered it quite a dangerous drug yeah. and that it shouldn't that it was only almost being repurposed for the COVID thing. That's absolutely true. They, these, these things were sitting around for years and they couldn't commercialize them until Fauci pushes them through again. And by, by the way, the Merck drug is much even worse than the Pfizer drug. And that's number four, by the way, on the new list that just came out days ago. <laughs> the, the, the Pfizer drug is number one. The second one is this uh, monoclonal antibody, which nobody has. It's in short, only one version of it works and nobody has it. Basically, some hospitals may have a little bit. And then the third one was remdesivir, believe it or not. That was the third option. And the fourth option, crazy, was the Merck drug, which doesn't even have any effectiveness, even in their lousy clinical studies. It's a terrible drug. And by the way, again, not ineffective and not proven safe at all. So that's the NIH. Do you feel in your um, the research you did for your book, which has Fauci in the title, did you find a clear line to him having personal gains? You feel like it's ego power. Like what is what's the bottom line with with him? Oh, it's definitely ego power. And of course, it's hard to prove. But his part of NIH and his staff and he do get royalties. They get money back because they shared the patent rights on certain drugs with the big drug companies. So there's no doubt about it. That is a fact. Money does flow from the drug companies into Fauci. He and his staff, they are sharing in the money. Okay. But he also, I, I, I'm, I was the first one to point out in my book, he's the highest paid federal employee ever. <laughs> he makes, I think I it's just $440,000. I just saw an article that um, highlighted $10 million worth of investments that he had, and that's a lot of money for somebody who's a lifelong bureaucrat. I mean, that's well, a lot of money. <laughs> I point it out in my book, and, and that people give him money. He, that I think the example I had in my book, somebody, some organization gave him half a million, and then I found out that another organization gifted him they gave him a prize of a million dollars. So he's getting money, yes. Yeah. And he's, by the way, he's gotten this incredibly high salary, what, for 40 or plus years. So he's a very rich guy. When, you know, after he leaves the government, you know, I think it will become clear that this is an extremely rich person. I rarely look to psychological explanations, but I feel like in his case, he might not want to ever leave the government because he gets that power, that ego that uh, contributes to his compensation there. Right. Yeah. Well, the, the, you know, of course, the rumor mill is that if if the Democrats lose the White House next time around, or even if if the if the Republicans take over Congress, that he may quit. Because he's, you know, he increasingly is being given a hard time, and yeah. he put the Republicans in charge of of, of of committees, 
in the House, particularly, well, they're going to really go after him. And I, I think that there's a chance part of part of the, the deal he makes with the devil, like Dr. Faustus, yes. is that he is at risk of being a scapegoat of people hiding behind him. He couldn't actually come out and tell the power behind his throne. So if somebody needs to uh, if someone's going to throw a person under the bus, it's probably going to be the face job. So maybe he stays to make sure the berries, the bodies stay buried. Maybe he right. stays just to defend himself. But yeah. I wanted to ask. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Go ahead. OK, so I wanted to ask if he so it's clear how the mechanism of power works up there. But for your everyday practitioner yeah. who has a relationship with their patients and I've seen them actually be kind of afraid they really are afraid to to just even if they carry ivermectin around I actually know a doctor who has hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin in his personal stash in case he gets sick yeah. but is hesitant to just prescribe it because of what is it because violating ama recommendations causes legal liability or why oh, it's, worse than, it's worse than that there's already been a number of doctors uh, who, who have lost their license to practice because they have been using or and supporting and ver verbally speaking out in favor of ivermectin hydroxychloroquine. So we already have the examples that state agencies have taken away their licenses. And by the way, I know at least now four or five doctors who lost their hospital positions, okay? They lost their livelihood because of their support for the generic medicines. So, and I get, you know, I belong to two uh, medical Google groups and I can tell you there's all kinds of physicians who are taking as a prophylactic, as I do, I take ivermectin twice a week. And I can tell you there are countless physicians who are taking ivermectin. That is the preferred sort of prophylactic these days uh, in the medical community. So. And then I, I recently wrote some articles. I couldn't believe it. Why are, people are still dying every day. I can't believe that this is still going on. Now, you can't believe all the data coming from CDC. But, you know, there are these numbers of 1,200, 1,500 people dying every day. Most of those deaths are in hospitals. If they're, if they're legitimate COVID deaths, they are happening with what we call late stage COVID. I want to emphasize this. This is late stage, meaning that the, the, the COVID disease has progressed into their lungs. They have breathing problems. Uh, they often have pneumonia, uh, serious lung inflammation, okay? Late stage COVID. And now we have a number of clinical results where some, some of these patients got ivermectin. And the only reason they got ivermectin, because every hospital refuses to give it, was because some families hired attorneys. And the attorneys went into the court. And we have a few cases now where judges have said, give that patient ivermectin. Hospitals have generally fought this, but in a few cases, they the patient won the family won the patient this is by the way these are these are deathbed patients give, given at best a 10 or 20 percent chance of living the people who got the ivermectin walked out of the hospital after a few days on the drug and see what we didn't know at the beginning in 2020 we all we sort of knew early on that ivermectin worked 
it, when you first got the disease. And it works because it's called an antiviral. It stops the replication of the virus early. If you take it within three, four, five, seven days of first getting ill, it works. What we didn't know at the beginning, there's another property of ivermectin, and that is it's an anti-inflammatory. And there, I dug into the research in the last month or two, and by the way, there was all this research which showed that ivermectin could work for late stage COVID. These are seriously intubated on, on, you know, on machines. These are sick people, not given, by the way, almost all the deaths that are real COVID deaths happening every day in America, these are people in ICUs, in hospitals, because they're not being given ivermectin. By the way, the protocols that the hospitals are using are useless, which is why these people are dying. They're not giving them any effective treatments at all. So, it actually shocks the conscience. Yeah, it should. Because it's just, well, I know Fauci's wife is some very high-ranking medical ethicist. And at I just... NIH. Oh, at NIH, yeah. It's, yes. it's just so... <laughs> I, well, I would say it was ironic, but I've come to expect these things now. Yeah. Yeah, she makes a ton of money also. Oh, my gosh. So I know that you are skeptical of the vaccines but and i remember reading i read all the trial data i read the emergency use authorization letters and all of that and it seemed like it was a pretty well a narrowly defined demographic that was tested if you look at how they they spout the numbers out it doesn't really make sense compared to i think in the 80,000 people in the studies between Pfizer and Moderna i think maybe I mean, one person in total died of COVID. So, like, think about how it couldn't really be a robust study if it was a demographic so completely right. unlikely right. to die. So, and then they started rolling it out to people who were more vulnerable to COVID, but presumably also more vulnerable to vaccine side effects. So, I wonder if, and, and I've heard you say because of your hospital affiliation, you got the vaccine early on. And I did maybe wouldn't would not get it again again, I do it again. Perhaps. And, I, I don't, and i don't intend to take any booster do you think though that it actually does in net and i'm a you i'm completely against it so i'm just playing devil's advocate but it did say in those studies and and maybe it's true that for the most part it reduces hospitalization and death but then i saw in I, a study came out from ontario recently that the hospitalizations right now are largely vaccinated people yes. Yes. the deaths are uh primarily vaccinated people i'm wondering if this is vaccine enhanced respiratory disease yes. i mean what is your evolving opinion of the vaccine is it at all efficacious uh, what's the story boy it, it's such an interesting story now and 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 there's by the way a lot of data i have i put up on my substack uh, uh page uh I, I always put up data charts and things and I don't always publish in the open, you know, thing. But but anyway, we have lots of data that most of the patients in other countries who are hospitalized and dying are vaccinated people. And by the way, in 2021, we had more deaths compared to 2020. There was no vaccination in 2020. So we have more deaths in 2021, COVID deaths, according to CDC, when people were being vaccinated. Now, we know the vaccines are not working, and, and there's a lot of great work being done 
showing that the more people are vaccinated, the weaker their immune systems become. Not only that, the more people that are vaccinated, the more you generate variants, okay? And and so, and I just, new research I read today out of, out of South Africa, we, we, we found there was this wonderful Canadian doctor, and I wrote about this months ago, a very courageous doctor, by the way, who lost his hospital job because he went public. He had given Moderna vaccine to hundreds and hundreds of his patients, and he did something that very few doctors have done. He did a what we call a D-dimer test, which is a blood test, and he discovered that I think it was 60 plus percent of his patients had micro blood clots, micro. These are microscopic blood clots, not the normal kind of clots people think. And then I read this research today just out out of South Africa where they have discovered what is the cause of what they're calling long COVID. People who get over the immediate disease, but then stay sick now for months and maybe for years now. And they found, and this research out of South Africa, why is this happening? Long COVID, what's the cause? Micro blood clots. Exactly what that Canadian doctor had found from the vaccines, okay? From the vaccines. That was micro- actually my question when we were on screen with you and Dr. McCullough, because I was sick for 10 months. Now you're scaring me. I feel better now, so I'm glad. But I was worried about that. Yes. And I know that that spike protein is a, is a fusion protein and could actually just bind things together. Maybe that's the reason. Yeah, well, what it does is we now know micro blood clotting doesn't necessarily go away after you sort of get well from the disease. So this is the best explanation I have seen yet to explain because people who say they have long COVID, they're being criticized saying, oh, it's just a psychological problem, okay? So this this research out of South Africa to me is so good because it has this physical explanation. It's the micro blood clots, which is screwing up their body, basically. That's why they have all these symptoms. It's not like the original symptoms, but it is it is COVID symptoms. And now we know why. I, I believe this is great research. The other thing that is amazing, and I'm going to put uh, an article up. I, ha- I haven't written it yet. There is a website that everybody can go to. It's I think it's by a guy out of, uh, out of the UK. And I only discovered this website a, a week or two ago. And he's done something absolutely ingenious. He went into the VAERS database, okay, in a very detailed, amazing way. And what does he discover? He discovers a correlation between the batch number. When you look at your vaccine card, you have a batch number. So this guy correlates all of the deaths and bad effects of vaccines with the batch number. And it turns out you go to the website, it's amazing. You can go to the Moderna part of it or the uh, the Pfizer part of it. And he has all this listing. And some of the worst batches have thousands and thousands of adverse effects and deaths, okay? And then others have virtually none. So there's something wrong. It, there's an absence of quality control in the manufacture of the vaccines. Because I always ask myself, and you might have asked yourself, millions and millions of people have gotten the vaccine shots. But I must say, statistically, only a, a much smaller number have have been have died or gotten terribly sick 
from the vaccines. So how do we reconcile the big number and the small number? Well, this guy has figured it out. It turns out that many of the batches of the vaccines are terrible. And then I, and there's this other research, why are they terrible? They have all these impurities and crap in them basically. So they don't work, they're awful. They make people ill and they kill people. I, I've seen that. I didn't know what to make of that study. And I know some people think that that there's something sinister afoot, that they'll put different ones out to track them. But when you say like a very small percentage, and I know that you've uh, also said, and I know this is true, that in prior vaccines or drugs that have even a tiny fraction yeah. Of that, they've been pulled. So they it's a small percentage, but we're talking about seven billion doses having been given out and, worldwide. Yeah. yeah, and big numbers of deaths. You know, <laughs> because the COVID deaths are very small percentages too. But it's still, you know, I I, I use a number of at least one hundred and fifty thousand Americans have died just from the vaccines. Okay, just wow. from the vaccines. So if you look worldwide, you know, we're talking. And how many people have gotten ill, though? If you look at the VAERS data, we're up to, I think, over 100,000. So we're talking about- I know two people who died of illnesses that within a month, a thyroid illness and a blood problem. And the doctor said, kind of sotto voce, definitely the second shot. I, I read about this all the time. So what I'm saying is we have hundreds of thousands who've been seriously impacted by the vaccines, but compared to- a few hundred million who've gotten the shots. So how do you reconcile those numbers? All I'm saying is this guy has figured it out because it turns out it all depends what batch of the, as soon as I got to this website, I took out my card and I looked at my own batch number (laughs) and I, I found them on his site. And I said, thank God I was way down on the list. I might have I might uh, go down the road of that being sinister, except for when you rush into these things. These yes. can be the kind of things that happen. Well, the thing that we have to emphasize, what is a, an absolute major responsibility of the government, particularly FDA? It's to guarantee quality manufacture of drugs, of drugs. So this guy has correlated, you look at the data on his website, and this is not his data, this is the VAERS database data, okay? This is, this is the government data that shows that what? It shows that the FDA has not done any kind of good job in terms of assuring the quality manufacturing process of the vaccines. And it's possible because I know Japan had nixed some Moderna orders based on impurities. So one thing that I wanted to get back to the long COVID in that when I asked that question and um, I think it was McCullough who said that the only other disease that has a tail like that is Lyme disease and Lyme disease is actually in the congressional record. One of the congressmen recently, a couple of years ago, asked for an investigation if Lyme disease was a bioweapon that a bioweapon, I believe, <laughs> that was leaked from a lab. And I and I think of this as they talk about the lab leak. I, I'm, I it's so histrionic that I really don't pay too much attention to that. However, I feel like there could be some artificial elements to this, and I think it's weird that anti-malaria, anti-malarial, anti-parasitic drugs. Were 
work. I wonder if you would expect that from a coronavirus, like a priori or whatever before the thing, before this happened. Um, do you have any kind of deep thoughts on on the nature of this? It's it's a little bit I had it and it was definitely different from any cold or flu I had ever had. Well, there's no doubt that there is really a COVID infection and a COVID disease. You know, that's not fiction. That's not. Yeah, I was sick. I know for, I know, I'm sure. And I lost my sense of smell and taste. We all know people. I know some people have died and we all know people who've been sick. But the point is, again, I'm not a, I'm not into conspiracy, except that there is a kind of, the only conspiracy I see is a kind of collusion between big drug companies, big pharma, big media and big government, okay, all colluding together to send out this message. What's the news out of Israel today? And and mainstream will not say this. In Israel, they're saying that they're on their fourth Pfizer shot, the second booster. And what is their conclusion? It's not working. This is Israel and Pfizer, okay? So they're finally admitting after four shots that it's not effective against Omicron. And yet we're still pushing the vaccines here in the United States. We're still pushing, you know, the booster shots. We know that none of them work against Omicron, interestingly enough. They did have some effect on Delta. They don't work on Omicron. People are still dying. The death rate, I watch it every day. And if you look at the CDC death rate, it's been way over 1,200 a day now. It's more like 1,500, 2,000 a day lately. So people are still dying, and some of it is fake. Some of it is what we call incidental. They're not dying from COVID. They're dying with COVID. But some of it is real. There are people, again, in late-stage COVID in hospitals. These are the real COVID cases. They are still dying every day in hospitals because there's no effective treatment being used by the hospitals. Now, do you believe that or what do you have any theory as to why other countries are making the same mistakes? Fauci, yes, is here, but he does he have does he personally have influence over Israel? Well, let me tell you, other countries are not making the same decisions in Europe. The European Union just lately, this is very recent, very recent. They're taking a position against booster shots. They are not enthusiastic anymore about booster shots. And the, the other countries that I like to talk about are the countries that have used ivermectin in a big way. India, the data from India is astounding. They basically have beaten down the pandemic. And it's not just India, it's Indonesia, it's Japan, it's part of Peru and part of Mexico. So we have these places around the globe where ivermectin, I just put up on my on my uh, Substack page, a picture a picture of the kit that they give out to everyone in India. When you look at the picture and all the ingredients in what the typical person in India gets, it's unbelievable. They're getting vitamins and and and, and ivermectin and 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 the best mask and it's just an incredible thing to see. I, I got. I have a huge response from people who've looked at that picture. It's amazing. So, in South Africa, they have a, a different view of things too now, and they. So it's not exact. People like to follow though what the United States does. There's no doubt. You know the U.S. is, and that's why Fauci is so important. 
and I think he's an evil criminal person. But <laughs> I, I think I think I might have heard you talk about India. Did you live in India at one point? I, I spent some time or no, some, yeah. as a tourist there. I spent a month in India. I worked in Indonesia uh, quite a while, actually. I thought that the Indian example was interesting because they, I believe you could compare state by state experiences. And some of them had stopped using ivermectin and had amazing, uh, a terrible spike in in severe illness. Exactly. That has happened, by the way, in several places. It happened uh, also with hydroxychloroquine in Switzerland. It's in my book, actually, where they started to use hydroxy had wonderful results. Nobody was getting sick. They, For some stupid reason, the government stopped the approved use of hydroxy. It spiked up again. And then in a few weeks, they went back to hydroxy. The data went back down again. So we've had these examples around the globe of interesting <laughs> examples. Again, not randomized clinical trials, but these are real world data that Fauci and our government refused to pay attention to and, and respect. Do you do you have an opinion on how the American people, for example, can have are so easily fooled by it's it's not just mainstream media, it's academia, it's institutional. However, if you employ your analytical skills, I'm just a layperson. I don't have a medical background, but I'm good with numbers and I can read. I've found a lot of information that's coming out now, finally trickling out. I I could pull on threads from uh, from two two years ago almost on um, some of these things. And I just wonder what gets Americans, in your opinion, because you're right on politics and culture, to suspend their own critical thinking? Well, that's it. They've lost. <laughs> that's the exact right phrase to use. Most of the American population, I don't think, have critical thinking skills anymore. And what they are, they're victims of propaganda by mainstream media. Where do they get their news? Where do they get the information? Corporate social media. By the way, I don't use social media at all. So, you know, but most Americans are victims. I I see them as victims of propaganda and disinformation and a government that and the public health establishment is a total failure, a total failure. They're not protecting the public. So who it's actually the people who are resisting, you know, the, 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 the shots, the vaccine, the boosters. The people who read my stuff and all the other people like me, McCullough, et cetera, you know, we have a lot of smart, informed people. But let's if what is the percent of the population that is misinformed and victims of propaganda? It's probably the majority of the population. So, you know, I keep, you know, people ask me why I publish the book and why I keep writing all these articles and everything. I mean, I've been retired for a long time. I'm elderly now. But I see my my role in life is trying to better inform the public and and make them smarter. So they have to protect their own lives. And and we I tell them how to do it. I on my on my Substack pages, I've said, here is where you can buy ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. I get I have a thousand tablets of ivermectin. Anyone can buy this stuff. And I tell them where to go. And these are companies from India, though. That's where you're going to get this stuff. Hmm. And it takes a few weeks to, to come through the mail, but I've ordered hydroxy. I've gotten hydroxy, ivermectin. I've gotten the new uh, the new drug, the antidepressant drug that it's also- Oh, yeah. 
that is being touted. And there's See, now they talked about that in the in mid mid 2020 at the latest. I saw them say people who were on Prozac were not getting as sick. <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe that's that's probably more effective than anything else, given how many people are on well, Prozac. And now that the tests, the, the trials have been done and. And I bought, I just got a batch of that and I bought from uh, one of the companies I use from India. And uh, because if I got sick, that I have a table, a kitchen, I have a table where I have all these things ready to go. <laughs> the first instant that I think I, I'm coming down with it, I'm going to pop. I, I just had my blood tested, by the way, and I advise everybody to do this. Have your blood tested for vitamin D. There is one of the most effective things you can do is to have a high level of vitamin D. It was, you know, I, I put out an article a, a couple of months ago about German research, which showed you got to get beyond a certain level of vitamin D in your blood, and you'll be protective against uh, COVID. And it turns out you got to work hard to get your doctor to order a test for vitamin D. Hmm. They don't want to do it. I had to talk my doctor into it. And he said, well, Medicare is not going to cover it. And said, well, I think I have a deficiency. Oh, okay. I'll, so we put an order in. And I just got my number back on Saturday. And it turns out, great. I was above this German number, the critical level that you got to be above. But I take every day, I take uh, 8,000 units of, of vitamin D. And I'm going to take a little more light now because now that I see my number, I know I can go a little bit higher even. Uh, but this works. So let's talk about that for a second. I try to, I've lost faith in doctors the few times that I've really tried to get something done. It's kind of like, you can't relate to this, but getting your hair color right. I'm not going to admit whether, you know, only her hairdresser knows for sure, but I can do it better than anybody else. And I, because you know, or blow drying your hair, like, you know how to do it yourself. And uh, when I, I've been to doctors, they, they have a checklist and they don't really want to hear. So I have celiac disease and my son who has Down syndrome has celiac disease and he's had psoriasis his whole life. And finally, just recently at 19, I said, give him a test for celiac disease. Oh, that's just a fantasy. I was like, it's not fantasy. And he sure enough had the antibodies and his skin begins to clear up. I feel bad because it's been so long, but I, I, I'm, I'm uh, highly educated. I'm very good at analysis. I'm not a doctor, but I can really read that stuff. And um, a lot of doctors are just don't want to give a patient or a regular person the time of day with their opinions. And the way people are being so stupid about this, I almost have lost faith in the ability of the average person to think clearly. Yet it seems like what you advocate is taking control of your own yes. health. I've coined a term independently healthy. I want to remain yes. independently healthy. Yes. And do you think it's realistic for people to be able to take, get a grip on that, to discern Absolutely. right from wrong? That's why if you go to my Substack page, joelshershorn.substack.com. It's easy to search Joel Hershorn yeah. on Substack. I've done yeah. it. And I'll tell you, many of my articles, uh, my intent is to give people the data and the information so that exactly what you say, they can control their own health. And in this pandemic, not only cure themselves should they get sick, but prevent getting sick. You know, I in my book even, and my book is now a year old, and I, I give the details of pushing this protocol, vitamin D, vitamin C, quercetin, and zinc. You don't even need a prescription drug. Take those four things. I take them every day. 
So I, I've, oh, from the very beginning, I'm trying to give people all of this data and information and, and I do it all the time. And then, and this new, I just wrote an article, there's new technology coming. I couldn't believe it. I discovered a, Fr- a French company. You'd find this amazing. This is a company, it's only a few years old. It's a small French company. They have this new technology. They, it's all based on injectable medicine, okay? So they decide, let's try out the technology for ivermectin. Well, sure as hell, they can, they can inject you with ivermectin. It will, one injection will last for many months, okay? And wow. that, that could be used globally instead of trying to get a billion pills to people, let's have like flu shots every year. Well, okay, I'll take a shot with ivermectin. I don't want to take the vaccine shot, but I'll take a shot of ivermectin. And they just did a safety study that was wonderful. They've done a lot of basic research on it. It looks like that, but now I'm afraid is the big drug companies may block it. FDA may not approve it, okay, but there's innovations coming along to, to make things better again. And to, again, I'm a strong believer that we've got to push the clinical results. We know what works and we know what doesn't work. These people dying every day in hospitals, we know why they're dying. Well, COVID isn't the only thing that we're going to need to worry about. I worry not only about that kind of thing, but I worry a lot about toxins in our environment yes. and the kids increasing. Yeah, I used to work allergies. on that. Yeah, so <laughs> in your resources that you provide people free, from what I can tell, um, not that we shouldn't support you, but that uh, do you include a whole host of um, health supports that people can take yes. into their own hands? You know, I, I tell my own story. What's the number one comorbidity for, for COVID in the United States? Obesity. Obesity. What did I do? Started two years ago. I lost 70 pounds. No way. I lost about a third of my weight. I lost over 70 pounds. Anyone, I can tell anyone how to do it. It's not that if you set your mind, first off, you got to get rid of white carbohydrates, sugar, and alcohol. Those are the three. Those are the Lost three me at alcohol, hon. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, a little bit of alcohol. I still drink a little bit. But, but How about if I just don't have white alcohol? <laughs> Stick to bourbon? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Girl, I like red wine myself. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I've told people exercise. I go out every goddamn day and I exercise. I lost the weight. I exercise. You know, and that's I condemn our public health establishment. Because they should have pushed, in terms of dealing with the pandemic, they should have pushed healthy living. They should have Sun, pushed, sunlight. You know, sunlight, exercise, lose the weight, you know, eat healthy, exercise every day. Oh, yes, you know, I actually, our experience has been in my family terrible. I was saying my son with Down syndrome, his psoriasis went crazy because what I call is he gained the COVID-19. Everybody gained Wait, during this lockdown, I live in L.A., so it's kind of oh. like a gulag. Yeah, <laughs> but the point is, there are ways to strengthen your what we call your innate immune system. And most Americans, because they don't live healthy, they don't eat healthy, they don't exercise, they're overweight, okay? So they don't have good immune systems. That's why, you know, if you take control and at least take vitamin C and vitamin D and the quercetin and the zinc, 
you know, if you can't get your hands on Ivan, I, I'm not happy. I get all these emails from people who are taking, uh, you know, Ivermectin, the, the stuff they use on horses. They go to these, yeah. these yeah. places that sell Ivermectin so for animals. And I feel bad about that. I don't want to support that because I think it's not that difficult. If I am, I'm sitting on a thousand tablets of Ivermectin. Yeah, I think people can find it. They have to try, but yeah. they can find it. And you have, you, you know, Farida's in California, Brian Tyson in California. They have treated, you know, over 7,000 patients, 100% success. Their patients do not die. They don't go to the hospital. The wow. same. It's amazing. They're in Southern California. And nice. so their protocols, which I just put up on my website again <laughs> yesterday and yesterday, uh, I, I want people to understand we know what works. The, the Zelenko protocol, the Farid protocols, they work. So, so I, regarding, I know that you were in one of your congressional roles had to do with technology. And I, I think I've heard you talk about the benefits of having a telemedicine for people like that to have more reach to more people. I worry about kind of privacy and data collection. Yeah, Do you too. have a, a net opinion on telemedicine? You, you're proponents of it, right? I was one of the first people actually uh, to use it. A, a couple of years ago, I was in a situation and my cardiologist, uh, I, 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 was, I, had, I had to have some rehab done and I'm in a rehab facility. And they said, well, we just started telemedicine. And it turned out my cardiologist was, was going to be on and I used it. And it was fine. And I've used it with my primary care, uh, at least through the phone uh, during the pandemic. I've used it several times. So I'm not worried about telemedicine if it's a direct link, you know, with, with your physician. Do you worry that they record those calls? I'm not. Personally, I'm not worried about but it. But do you think they do? <laughs> I don't know. OK, they, right. They right. Might, I guess. I don't know either. Yeah. I'm, I'm more, much more worried about the fact that where I get my uh, prescription drugs from, any company that's selling you prescription drugs, you know that that data is is being used. Oh, and especially sold. in California, they report <laughs> that data. The doctors report it to Sacramento. It's yeah, really yeah. scary. So that to me is is much scarier. And of course, I don't use social media, so I think there's a lot of uh, yeah. stupid Americans who put too much of their personal information on social media. So I stay. I've always stayed away from it. And uh, I'd be a lot more popular today. I was glad I discovered Substack uh, as a way to get my voice out there without using social media. And Substack is total freedom. I can say anything I want on on Substack. There's no censorship. I was actually censored. I tried putting up my articles on a a different website called Medium. And boy, they knocked me out. (laughs) Uh, Well, I, I find I'm a big collector of books and I find that that books are still a, a great way to go. And I, before we wrap up, I wanted to talk a little bit about your book, because the latest book that you wrote about Fauci um, for a couple of reasons. I mean, one is that like people have been Fauci's been driving certainly my listeners crazy since the beginning. Yeah. It's always been a mystery of like how Trump took it for that long. And um, but what I think is important about your book is that you 
we are obviously an extremely, I don't normally read that big long a bio, but I wanted people to know that your credentials and your ability to understand the medical stuff sift through that. And then what you did with it, and I think you do with your articles too, is make it totally consumable to an, a, a, a person who's right. intelligent enough to be curious and read. I mean, you're yeah. not spoon feeding it to illiterates, but you're to the layman and it's just a very digestible. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit. I'm going to read the name of it. Pandemic blunder, Fauci and public health blocked early home COVID treatment. But it's a, it's more than that. And if you could just what was your kind yeah. of point with that and how do you expect people to consume it? I mean, there were there were two uh, so, so two dimensions to my book. One, I wanted to expose the evil and the corruption that was going on, the stupidity of our government. But the other part of the book is all positive. It's how do you get control of your health? How do you, so I have all of this data and information on what works to cure COVID, what works to prevent COVID. I give all the links to all the websites where you can, as an ordinary person, you can go to these websites that are constantly being updated with the best data on ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, all those kinds of things. So there's two sides to my book. One is kind of uh, negative in a sense, going after <laughs> Fauci. But the oh, other come on. We need a little bit of that. He's pissed us Absolutely. off for two years. Well, he's, in my case, for like 20 years. Yeah, I mean, he's a. I consider him. I wrote an article in 2020. I wrote an article saying he ought to be criminally prosecuted. Yes, he should be criminally prosecuted. Yes. He is the cause of the death of hundreds of thousands of people. So this round, but also the last round. That even the HIV round. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I know. So I find it interesting. RFK comes out with a book, you know, gets a lot of publicity about Fauci. My book is a year old. I know. I thought of you. I was like, wait, and, and RFK no, didn't write that. I, had a, few, I had a few people in 2020 and 21 saying, I'm going to try to get you in contact with RFK. Nobody ever succeeded. I think because he, he knew the title of my book, his staff <laughs> knew, and they knew they were going to come out with their own book. So he ignored my book. But you know, what I may do if I have the time, I'm actually going to go through the PDF version or whatever of my book, and I'm going to take out all the things I said about Fauci and create an article saying, hey, I said this a year ago. Nice. And, and like the and, Jefferson Bible. Do you, ever, yeah. do you know what a Jefferson Bible is? It's not I had dug deep into the Fauci story back then, and I found all this dirt on him and uh, and made all this sort of connected the dots. You know, he was the person, and that, you know, the real goal. I was the first book to come out saying that we had good early treatment protocols that we knew worked, and that was the you know that was the positive side of my book. And nobody could give any uh, credit to that because that would have stood directly in the way of an emergency yes. use authorization. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it is criminal and it's obviously not just Fauci because there's just uh, widespread complicity uh, from elected officials, from medical. Yes, the whole establishment. Uh, the whole but even and they and they reach out to other countries what they do the pressure that they put i think belarus was an example i don't expect you to know about it but that they he didn't want to follow these protocols he what he was going to kind of go all florida about it and immediately they have protests in his country trying to remove him from power he was okay with us for 35 years he might be a, a bloody dictator i don't know but 
the timing was weird. Well, all of a sudden, right. we don't like right. them anymore. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, we still have some countries again. The Euro- I, I like the European Union. They are beginning to show some real courage. And by the way, in the UK and the EU, you may not know about this, it actually starts in the UK. They have actually started a criminal prosecution case. It is at the, it's in the police, in the hands of the police in the UK. So we have that, that criminality aspect is being pursued in the UK and the EU. And it's not, it's happening over there. That would be great. I, in the interest of full disclosure, I must tell you, I am a complete anarchist and have absolutely no faith in government whatsoever. But I do want to kick the can of tyranny because I have children I care about. I'm not ready for bloody revolution and any time we can buy for ourselves to be able to take care of our own health and wellness. I feel like this may, it's just like a war. We may, we, you have the bleakest moments of the war isn't how it's going to be forever and we may come out of this and we want to be prepared don't give up don't get five booster shots or whatever and i really highly recommend that people read your articles because you obviously know what you're talking about and um, And the information is invaluable yeah and one last point which is important because i'm reading comments on my articles and some people think because omicron is not very lethal it's kind of easy what they don't understand is coming down the road are going to be more variants of COVID. And it's going to come down because the vaccines produce variants. Okay. That's what I'm worried about for the children. And some of those new variants that are come down, it may be six months, it may be a year, could be very deadly. So we shouldn't, you know, think that this is all over because Omicron is a sort of easy variant. Some very bad variants could be coming down the road. Oh, my goodness. Well, that does scare me because as soon as they started giving kids the vaccines, I was worried about something like that. I said, I noticed that when the vaccines came out in early 2021, that's when I got it. I was interacting with vaccinated people and I was fine for a year and then I got it. And I was worried about that for the children. And I can imagine if uh, I was really... Boy, you can't don't black pill me now. Like I really I'm I, I need hope. We've been two years is all I can take. Well, that's why I'm, I'm, I, I like this French innovation of the ivermectin injection is because we still need to pursue the good the good remedies because forget Omicron is not the final answer here. Well, I do think it makes a big difference when somebody with the credentials to kind of try. I mean, the whole idea of trust the science. I mean, science means you don't have to trust it. You can actually read it, prove it. (laughs) You know, you need people who uh, have the I call them the priests of the electron microscope. Somebody who has the kind of credentials like you. I think it's important that um, your voice can help they can't call you an anti-vax nut like your voice is important. So, so where, so I know, I think it is, um, what was it? Trial site news.com. They they publish almost all my articles. Uh, and I just put this new one up on the new NIH guidelines up on trial site. I like that site. It's a good site, except people have, pay for it but and you know. everything's on substack right you are if people go i just everything. searched joel hirshhorn substack and i've got everything and i also everything. signed up yeah. to your I, i've been signed up to your newsletter for a while okay. and uh yeah but this book um pandemic blunder 
Fauci and public health blocked early home COVID treatment. Yeah, it's more than just what the title says. So I highly recommend at least downloading a sample on your Kindle. And that's it's you know, almost, yeah, it's, it, it, on Kindle. It's dirt cheap. It's either yeah. no cost or I think five yeah, bucks. Kindle Unlimited. It's no cost. I know. Right, so. right. Well, I promise that I would keep you just one hour and I really appreciate your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. What a joy to uh, pick your brain and thank you so much. And, uh, and, and let's do it again. Let's do it again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Thanks so much, doctor. Thank you, dear. Thank you.